Section 5, Part 1, Chapter 4 of An Essay on the Art of Ingeniously Tormenting by Jane Collier. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 To the Husband The visible power of the husband comes next to that of the parent, for I think it has been determined in our public courts of justice by some unpolite professors of the law that a husband may exercise his marital authority so far as to give his wife moderate correction. How happy is it for English wives that the force of custom is so much stronger than our laws! How fortunate for them that the men, either through affection or indolence, have given up their legal rights and have, by custom, placed all the power in the wife! Mistake me not so much as to think that I intend to assert there are no tyrannical or bad husbands, daily experience would soon contradict such an assertion. But the sport of tormenting is not the husband's chief game. If he grows indifferent to his wife, or comes to hate her, he wishes her dead, or absent, and therefore, if in low life, often takes such violent measures as to break her bones, or to break her heart. And, if in high life, he keeps mistresses abroad, and troubles not his head, one way or other, about his wife. But there are a set of men in a middle station who cannot, on account of their fortunes or reputation, well follow either of the above-mentioned methods, and, to such, if there are any amongst them who are governed by their wives, I address this chapter, and hope to hit off a few strokes that may be fit for their practice. It has been already endeavoured to be shown, in what manner a patroness may plague an humble companion, but, in the married state, it has sometimes been the practice of the husband to take into his house, I will not say into his bed, a female humble companion to torment his wife. If he chooses this method of proceeding, let him select a handsome vixen. And there are, I believe, few female spirits who will accept of such an office, but, without the help of my precepts, will thoroughly answer the husband's purpose in that situation, of plaguing, vexing, and insulting his wife, as much as he can possibly desire. My rules, as before observed, will in this connection be of little use in high life, as it is seldom the concern amongst the great, with some few exceptions, either to please or plague each other, but, in a more moderate degree, husbands may proceed in the following manner. The best foundation to work on is to be sure to mistake your wife's character, praise her for what she does not deserve, and overlook every good quality she is in reality possessed of. As it is a very common practice for women to pretend a dislike to smoking, only because their husbands are fond of it, so do you take care to observe whether your wife likes or dislikes tobacco. If the smoke of it should really make her sick, which is sometimes the case, be sure never to be without a pipe in your mouth, and rail most heartily at the affectation of all wives who pretend not to love the smell of tobacco. Never let the time of dinner pass without being displeased with everything that comes to the table. You may blame your wife for the fault of the fishmonger, the poulterer, the butcher, and the cook, particularly the latter, as it gives an ill-natured wench, who hears from the footman, this your kind and tender practice, an opportunity of wreaking her spleen on her mistress by the wrong-headed anger of her master. Give the highest commendations to everything you meet with abroad, and, if your wife, thinking to please you, should provide the same things for you at home, be doubly displeased with such things, 
and declare that the reason you are so much abroad and spend so much time in a tavern is that by the negligence of your wife, you are half starved at your own table. If you have a very careful, prudent wife, one who, by her good economy, confines all the expenses under her inspection fairly within her appointment, part with your money to her like so many drops of blood, and read her a lecture on extravagance for every necessary that is brought into the house, at the same time sparing no expense for your own hounds, horses, or claret, or treat your brother sportsman. Should you have been abroad for the whole or any part of the day, be sure to come home in an exceeding ill humour. If you have a wife at home who knows how to value your good humour, the more cheerfully she receives you, the more sour and morose do you grow upon the same. Or, if you choose not to carry the joke so high, a sullen discontent, with several yawns expressive of indifference, if not dislike, to your own home, will do very well. Besides, for this latter behaviour, nobody can blame you, as it will, by custom, be set down to the account of low spirits, or some violent fatigue you may have undergone. It has been observed that more fidelity is often found in the bad part of mankind to the bad, than in the good to the good. It is also, I believe, as true, that much more tenderness and indulgence is generally exerted towards the counterfeits of any weakness or distress, than to those who labour under a real weakness of body, or affliction of mind. These are facts. Let the searches into human nature declare their causes. But, in this willful wanting of distinguishing, lies the chief power of tormenting. If polygamy was allowed, greatly could this chapter be enlarged, for fine sport might a man have among many wives, by confounding their characters, being fond of the bad, being cruel to the good, with several other very pleasant amusements. And that some husbands have a good notion of this kind of diversion, we may, I think, fairly infer, from what we now see with regard to those who have had two, three, or four wives in succession. For, if ever you hear that a man has made an exceeding good husband to one wife, and an exceeding bad husband to another, let the matter be examined into, and it will generally be found that his indulgence and fondness were placed on an high-spirited vixen, or a wayward insipid doll, whilst his neglect, his ill-humour, and his cruelty were all bestowed on a meek-spirited wife, whose affection and regard for him made her deserve better treatment. Yet, still as things are now circumstanced, my rules for the husband can be but few. However, should a man happen to have a very deserving woman for his wife, I think I can recommend this our art to him, as productive of some diversion. But as his power would then arise not from his exterior authority, but from the affection of his wife, I must still beg the favour of all those husbands who intend to study this science, that they would collect rules for themselves from any of the chapters that may hit their case in my second division. End of section 5